tuned in to our guest as the sports huddle continues on a Friday afternoon at 417. Bob Black with you here. Thanks for locking in 1061 ESPN here in the capital city. Jerry Brewer joins us as he has been doing regularly, and we really appreciate and like that, particularly through the NBA playoffs. And now we're into the NBA finals. Denver up one game to none. Jerry, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Uh, How you doing? Uh, I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. Hey, so the promo on the air just a moment ago says the Denver Nuggets continue to roll at home. Did that surprise you last night? We asked the question of a couple of guests yesterday. Would it be the rested Denver Nuggets that we saw in game one or the rusty Denver Nuggets that we saw in game one? Jerry, they emphatically answered that question, didn't they? Yes, they did, and it didn't surprise me. Uh, that was the 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 biggest opponent that they were going to face was the nine-day layoff, not the Heat in Game 1. Um, I think we know very clearly, just looking at the rosters, if you paid any attention to the rosters and the way they play, Denver is the more talented team. They're almost impossible to beat, especially in the playoffs at Ball Arena. And they just took care of business. Now this is there's a lot of, there's a lot of focus that should go on the Heat in Game Two. Not necessarily that they have to win, but they have to put together a performance in Game Two that gives some kind of indication that they can figure out the Nuggets, that they can handle some of the mismatches, that they can deal with their size. And uh, I'm not sure that Game Two isn't going to be another double-digit victory. This is mm-hmm. a, a really really difficult matchup for the Heat. Jerry, in previewing your appearance with us this afternoon in the opening segment, I mentioned to our audience your column in today's Washington Post, WashingtonPost.com slash sports, the online headline being the mesmerizing Denver Nuggets better get used to attention, which I think is fascinating, but I love to pull out certain lines from your from your great columns, and I would love for you to expand on this one. The Nuggets play a mesmerizing brand of fluid basketball give us the nuts and bolts the x's and o's of that oh man they they are the new read and react system uh the warriors have that read and react system in which the open man dictates uh who takes the shot excuse me ball movement and player movement means so much to their offense they don't even really have to run anything because Everyone is just so connected and everyone shares the ball. The difference between the Warriors and the Denver Nuggets, and mind you, the Warriors have won four championships, so I'm not going to sit around here. I'm not making a case that Denver is better, but I'm making a case that they've got a wrinkle that the Warriors don't have, and that wrinkle is size. Aaron Gordon, true power forward at six foot nine. Nikola Jokic, almost seven feet tall, 285 pounds. Michael Porter Jr. at small forward at six foot ten. Even even Kendall uh, Kentavious Caldwell Pope uh, being darn near six foot seven, and Jamal Murray uh, strong enough at six two six three to post people up. And what's fascinating about their offense is that they can run things inverted, meaning like they're a true positionless team. But if you've got the center uh, facilitating things from the top, and you've got the point guard and Murray. Uh, operating a lot of times in the paint and setting screens like a big man, that's really hard for defenses to deal with because uh, positional norms are absolutely obliterated. Um, But most of the time for people to do that, to play what what Mike D'Antoni 
introduced as skill ball, they have mm-hmm. to play smaller. The fact that Denver can do that with prototypical size makes them just a really, really difficult to defend. So you mentioned earlier that their biggest opponent going into game one was the nine-day layoff, not so much Miami. Is the next biggest opponent all this attention that you wrote about uh, today and how, how Jokic and Gordon and Porter and Murray and all these guys handle all this attention and the spotlight that's going to be on them, or will they be oblivious to all of that? Yeah, they don't really like it. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I think it would affect them more when people aren't praising them, when they're scrutinizing something that they did wrong. I think that's something to pay attention to. But that their mentality is much more Spurs than it is, say, Warriors, who um, were very open and have a great locker room, and, and they understood like individuality and personality. Uh, the Denver Nuggets are phobic to attention. And if they're going to become a, a great brand in basketball – they're going to have to embrace that more. Uh, but I think game two, game two is, is about Spolstra and it's about Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. and it's about the, the uh, adjustments they make. They really felt their way through game one. You don't see any sense of panic. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a team that's had a lot of lows this season and has come back. They're incredibly hard to kill, like we saw in the fourth quarter of that game. I don't think the fourth quarter necessarily uh, – can carry over in the game too, but I think they did prod and figure out things that absolutely didn't work. Um, and now they have to really emphasize uh, some things that can work for them. And one thing that absolutely has to happen is Jimmy Butler's got to be as aggressive as Bam Adebayo was. And Bam took 25 shots in that game, but did not take free throw. Right? They only yeah. took they only took two free throws as a team. Uh, Jimmy lives at the free throw line. Jimmy is super aggressive. He's got to figure out matchups, particularly when Aaron Gordon is defending him. Um, And that jump shot of his, which can come and go, is going to have to really be working in this series. But uh, if Jimmy Butler can get it going, let's say they lose game two by eight, uh, but Jimmy Butler has a great game, um, and, and they do some things with their lineup to get bigger. I mean, I think... You have to take the chance of just playing Kevin Love, even if it's only 10 minutes. If they can do some things there that that, uh, just kind of change the tempo and the flow of things, uh, I think then you look at game three going back to Miami and thinking, okay, they have a better chance at home. If Jimmy doesn't play well and and they're down 20 again and and lose by double figures, I start to feel like the Heat are going to get swept. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. I got some confidence there in the Heat. That I'll not... tell you one thing about the Heat, man. Um, even when you think the Heat are going to lose, you always add one more game to your prediction mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're yep. the Heat. Because mm-hmm. they're going to find ways to win. And so that's why I think it's more likely to be a six-game series where for most teams it would be a five. Uh, but, man, like Denver, Denver is just so locked in. And, again, um, sometimes there's nothing you can do in basketball – with matchups, with bad matchups, especially with teams that are skilled and have size. And that's what concerns me. Miami, with the lineups they're playing right now, they have one big and essentially four guards. And you're playing against a team that, that has old-school size, but is just as skilled, if not more skilled, than you are. 
Man, I like when I'm on the same page with Jerry Brewer, the Washington Post, because, Jerry, I had said six for Denver, and I said, you know, we love sports because of the Cinderella stories and the magical moments, but sports also gives us the heartbreak. And to me, the heartbreak is coming for the heat. They're going to give their all, but they're actually going to lose this series in front of their adoring home crowd on their home court in game six. So I'm glad to hear we're on the same page at least a little bit on that one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely we are. Yeah, six six for Denver. I agree with you on that one. Hey, you mentioned this, and I, I asked my producer in the first segment, AJ is uh, a big NBA guy, and, and you alluded to it as well. How in the world are you an NBA team in the finals and you only shoot two free throws in a game? I know they fell way behind and they jacked up like 43-pointers by the time the night was over, but two for two at the free throw line is, is almost, you know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And I mean, and they they drove the ball and did some stuff and 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 gave it to Bam and he operated, but a lot of his stuff was more um, you know, mid-range uh type stuff, kind of kind of no man's land type things and I tell you what the Heat'll take that. I mean, the, the Nuggets will take that any day. A guy taking 25 having 25 field goal attempts but only winding up with 26 points. I mean, we look at the raw point total and we look at Bam's numbers and we say 26, 13, and 5. Did he play well? Yes. Was he as efficient as you wanted to be for a guy with that kind of volume? No way. And I think part of that is just uh, Jimmy's ability to put pressure on the defense uh, creates opportunities at the line, but then also like the best kinds of three-point shots. I mean, uh, the Heat clearly, you could tell that they had fatigue, whether it be the altitude or whether it be the seven-game series beforehand. They made 13 threes, but they took 39. And like, I think even those shots that looked open weren't great rhythm shots for any of these guys. And um, this is a series in which the Heat are going to have to have uh, – most of their wins, they're probably going to have to make 23-pointers. And uh, Denver's kind of gotten to the point defensively where um, they're not just easy to score on like they used to be. Uh, so that that's, that's really intriguing, you know, the hard part about this series is I only see one or two ways that the Heat can win games, and the Nuggets have like six or seven pathways to victories, hmm. and that never bodes well um, in a series. It is a refreshing series in that it is Denver looking to win its first championship, Miami an eight seed. That's never happened before. But let me finish up with you with your column from earlier in the week in the Washington Post. These finals are only about basketball and just what the NBA needs. There's no Warriors, Lakers, Bucks, Celtics, none of that in this series. Why do you feel this is the type of series the NBA needs right now, Jerry? Um, I think there are no great teams right now. I mean, if you had, uh, you know, the Warriors still in like, you know, at the peak of their dynasty or LeBron, uh, you know, at the peak of his powers, um, you know, a classic type Celtics team, you know, those kinds of situations. um, I I think a lot of times then like greatness trumps parity. But what what I didn't want to see is like the old heads, in the finals because the emerging teams just couldn't do anything, right? Like, I think, um, for instance, like the Phoenix team with KD only playing eight regular season games after the trade. Um, If Phoenix just came in there and romped through and went to the uh, NBA finals, that's more of an indictment of everyone else in the West to me than it is 
you know, just uh, uh, something to be inspired by the individual greatness of Durant and Booker and what's left of Chris Paul, right? Um, and I think it, it became pretty clear, um, even though the Warriors and, and the Lakers were, were such a highly rated series, neither of those teams got championship DNA, uh, potential this year. If they had made it to the finals, it would have been because everybody else in the West, the Nuggets in particular, just wasn't ready for the big time. Um, so I think it's great for an emerging team with a two-time MVP uh, and that plays basketball the right way, you know, so selfless, uh, getting there. And I think it's good for the league that, um, you know, there's, there's sort of like the flat parity um, that the NFL kind of forces with the way they do things. But football is our passion, and we'll take anything. You know, we take those terrible Thursday night games, and we take these, all of a sudden we have these, um, you know, 20 to 17 games that were really dog games for three quarters, but then they have some dramatic finish, and we're like, oh, ain't the NFL wonderful? <laughs> like, no, that was terrible. We just love the NFL. We're just obsessed with it. Um, it doesn't work the same way in basketball. Like, uh, there's still a little bit of um, uh, everything is niche compared to the NFL, and there's a little bit of a feeling that you need to have a showcase. And I think the easiest showcase has always been dynasties and superstar players. Uh, but the NBA is changing a bit, as we, as we talked about in the past. And I think it's um, very important for the league, uh, for the younger stars, you know, Steph and LeBron and KD, those guys aren't going to be here much longer. And so – it was great to see Giannis win a championship two years ago and really validate how good he is when people still have some questions about him in the postseason. It's great to see the same thing with Joker, another two-time MVP. Um, Jason Tatum is going to have to, um, you know, get back and like finish the job with the Celtics, and Luka Doncic is going to have to. Uh, the Mavs going to have to get it together and really put a team around him, and Luka's going to need to get serious about winning basketball, get in shape not dominating the ball, um, uh, you know, make your – really elevate your team. Um, and then there's some, you know, so on and so forth. You know, when, when Victor Wimbanyama gets here next year, uh, you give the Spurs a year, but you want them to start making strides that, to come in a perennial playoff team. Like, it's really important that when LeBron, Steph, um, KD, et cetera, et cetera, you know, the old heads, when they leave the game, that there's not some void. And I think that uh, that's what this era is really about, laying that groundwork in which you're like, man, we'll miss LeBron James, but we're not going to miss him like we miss Jordan, right? Like mm. Jordan left and it was like, damn, the NBA is not the same again. Mm. Um, it's a slow death. And like seeing LeBron get beat, seeing Steph get beat, um, seeing KD struggle to stay healthy, uh, I think that makes it in people's minds feel like, okay, um, the transition has already occurred. And that's sports to me, man. Like, mm -hmm. everybody always wants um, the storybook ending, and they don't want to hear about Jordan with the Wizards or Tom Brady last season with the Bucks or Willie Mays with the Mets. And they, you know, make these ridiculous statements like, oh, they're tarnishing their legacy, when, like, 10 years later, we barely even remember those things happened. <laughs> um, but, but ultimately, uh, I think it's good for the game, even though it can be painful for diehard fans to see their guys struggle. I think it's good for the game at the end to say the masters of the game got mastered by the game at the end.
<laughs> and that allows you to continue on. And I think that's what's happening in the NBA a little bit. But the young guys have to rise to the occasion. And thankfully, we're seeing a guy like Joker, and like there's no doubt that he's one of the best basketball players we've ever seen. No doubt that he's proving it on a huge stage and will continue to uh, as long as these refreshing finals last. And you and I both agreed should go about six games. Enjoy those games, Jerry. Thank you again for your perspective today. Always enjoy it and look forward to catching up with you before too long. All right. Anytime, man. You take it easy. There goes Jerry Brewer of the Washington Post. Boy, he's great on the air and on paper or online or however you would read him. And both of those stories are great columns. The one about the Nuggets having to understand the attention is coming their way and how they're going to embrace that, and the story about how a series like Denver versus Miami can and will be good moving forward for the NBA. Check him out, WashingtonPost.com slash sports. He's also on Twitter, at Jerry Brewer. And as I said, he's become a regular contributor for us here on the Sports Huddle, and we love that. Time for a break, just about 4.35 on the Friday afternoon edition of the Sports Huddle. Back in a moment on 106.1 ESPN.